Welcome to FedScoop's podcast series on IT modernization in government, underwritten this week by Zscaler. I'm your host, Wyatt Cash, and in today's episode, we're talking about how civilian and defense agencies are looking increasingly at zero trust principles to better protect their government's digital resources, especially in response to the surge in remote workers in the wake of the recent pandemic. We'll also explore why zero trust typically offers a better long-term solution over traditional virtual private networks. Our guest today is Jose Padden, Federal Director of Sales Engineering for Public Sector at Zscaler. Jose has more than two decades of enterprise engineering and IT leadership experience. Jose, thanks for joining us and welcome to the program. Thanks. Zero Trust is one of my favorite topics to talk about, so definitely excited about the conversation. Terrific. Let's start by discussing the fact that the pandemic and the subsequent shift to support remote workers has certainly put a renewed focus on the limitations of some technologies, including our reliance on VPNs. And it's also increased the apparent need for zero trust access controls. Why are zero trust access tools a better solution for federal agencies? So I think it's a story about an evolution, really. VPNs were great and served a purpose at their point in time when we had lots of data and apps on-prem and we needed to get people inside the network in order to get access to the apps and data. But in 2020 and beyond, networks, applications, data have evolved in the cloud. Cloud Smart is a federal government initiative in order to put as much as they can into infrastructure as a service that's in the cloud, software as a service, the data stored in cloud storage. So So the concept of creating a tunnel that puts a device inside a network really doesn't apply to 2020 and beyond, right? So the evolution is really to allow secure access to those apps, to the data, to what people really need from wherever they happen to be. And what's happened today, obviously, is people are no longer in the four walls of the government agencies. They're everywhere throughout the world working from their basement like I am. And uh, we need to make sure that we can still give that secure access, have control policies, get visibility into that user, protect that user, and do so without forcing them to connect through a tunnel that brings that device and everything where that user happens to be into the network with them. We can allow them to securely connect to SaaS that's in the cloud. We can allow them to securely connect to you know private applications as well that maybe inside those four walls or in a private cloud or in a data center somewhere. When we talk about zero trust, it lends itself to today. It makes more sense when you're looking at where the apps and data are. Well, what would you say is keeping agencies from moving faster or more broadly towards adopting zero trust security? One of the biggest issues is there is a misconception about what zero trust networking is and what it would take to roll out zero trust networking. So some conversations, there is, you know, essentially a mindset that this is a large program and we need to put together a multi-year program to be able to support this. But really, there's ways to get wins in the short term. So I think if we flip our thinking about zero trust around and we say, where can we get some wins? There's definitely areas that every government government can get wins in the short term. And in fact, NIST wrote an excellent paper, 800-207, about zero trust architecture. It calls out the misconception itself. And secondly, it calls out that federal agencies have been encouraged to use a more of a zero trust architecture. The great thing is it calls out some use cases. So there's five use cases that every government agency can start looking at to get wins in the short term. That includes enterprises with satellite facilities, enterprises that have multiple clouds, 
enterprises that have contractors or non-government employees, enterprises that where there's collaboration across boundaries, and agencies where they have public-facing websites. So that's pretty much every agency, and there's a use case where zero-trust network architecture can help them. Well, I know another document that is helping propel zero trust is the Trusted Internet Connection Guidelines, known as TIC 3.0, from the Department of Homeland Security's Cybersecurity Agency. And that that's supposed to alleviate some of the barriers that agencies traditionally faced in facilitating internet access for employees. But is it enough to help agencies support this new remote workforce, even with zero trust? So the great thing about what's happening with TIC 3.0 is the government has seen the evolution that's happening that we talked about earlier. So if we think about how we got here from a TIC perspective, TIC 1.0 was very important and very necessary. There was several different internet connections used by federal government agencies that were not secured and really uncounted. And that was an issue that we needed to address. And we needed to make sure that we understood where the internet connections for the agencies are located and how what we can do to secure them. It evolved into 2.2, which you know allowed some outsourcing and an increased security stack. But what's happening in 3.0 is the reaction to the evolution. Now that apps and data and software are not really on-prem as much, and a majority is moving to the cloud, if not already in the cloud today, the TIC 2.2 architecture can make it difficult to get access to those cloud services. So it's really opening up and evolving and understanding that we need to get access to everything, including cloud services, and we need to make better, more secure routes to get access to that, that also comprehend the fact that users are not inside those agencies working 100% of the time, that they are outside and we still need to have that security stack. So there's ways that we can help add the security in the cloud. And that's really what TIC 3.0 can allow the agencies to evolve to, to get that security in the cloud. Can you share some examples of how organizations are seeing the benefits of moving to more of a zero trust security model? Yeah. So if we look at some agencies that have adopted um, TIC 3.0 mindset and TIC 3.0 architecture, you can see some wins immediately in this current scenario. So there's a few agencies that have adopted zero trust architecture for access. And in essence, it's designed to handle users for a certain period of time. But when we got into what's happened today with the pandemic and people working from home and people outside of the agency, the best benefit to this architecture where these agencies were able to scale up quickly, get access to the apps and desktop without having to go buy hardware and stack it into a location, without having to send people to go deal with that hardware to scale up. There's a lot of challenges around scaling VPNs that happened, and agencies that were able to adopt a zero trust earlier were able to get up and run and do this quite simply without a lot of additional O&M involved in that. And And it also allows people, again, to get quick wins now. So we have agencies that were able to procure a zero trust solution, get access to the apps and data, and quickly roll that out and scale up from a cloud scale perspective very quickly. So there's a lot of benefits into how the agencies can use that. And we've seen that across the government today. Well, finally, what recommendations would you give to agency leaders who want to move to zero trust more completely, but perhaps don't think they can due to budget or other constraints? 
Yeah. So the first thing I would say is when we think about budget, the cost that goes into managing and maintaining a big network stack in a physical location to protect a physical network is pretty considerable. And if you compare that with what you can do by moving the security into the cloud, it really can help justify the move in of itself. There's a huge cost reduction in moving that security stack into the cloud. And then on top of it, again, the mindset that it needs to be this big, large multi-year program, which is what we like to do in the government. And there's a lot of thinking about that. It doesn't have to be that way, right? We can find these use case wins. We can get these wins quickly, roll out much simpler, easier, secure access for the users to get access to the apps and data wherever they happen to be under one of these use cases and get that win quickly. So you can start recouping the cost that you've invested right away. And then from there, you could use that to expand into additional use cases. So get those wins quick, keep it simple, and move quickly into production to to get the value from zero trust. Well, it sounds like a win-win in many ways of reducing some longstanding legacy overhead and actually delivering better security. So I suspect we're going to continue to see more momentum in this area. I'm afraid, though, that we're going to have to leave it there. Jose Padden, thanks for joining us today to share your perspective on the growing adoption of zero trust in government. Thank you. It was fun to be here. I hope to come back again. Terrific. And thanks to Zscaler as well for underwriting today's episode. Look for more of our coverage of IT modernization in government on fedscoop.com or subscribe to our FedScoop radio channels on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. This is Wyatt Cash, your host. Thanks for tuning in. See you next time.